Welcome to the J Train Podcast. This is J Train Jared Free coming live from the West Village of Manhattan. We're here every Monday with your emails, your stories, your questions. I say it every episode. Let me say it again. Thank you. Thank you for being a listener. Thank you for telling a friend, a coworker, a brother, a sister, a mama, a papa, anyone. We'll take them all. We want more listeners for this fantastic show because we want more people like you. That's right. You put your brain on the shelf every Monday. You let my guests and I take the wheel, make you feel good, make it so you don't feel at all. Like that's the point of a podcast is that I'll put my thoughts off to later. Let me have my co-hosts and I talk about other people's problems. And if you have a problem that you want answered here on the podcast, send it in, jtrainpodcast at gmail.com, jtrainpodcast at gmail.com. And if you hear an issue that came up at the brunch table, that came up with a friend, that came up over text, if you hear it discussed here, what an easy way to have a third party weigh in on something that you guys have kind of hashed out. So keep sharing the show, keep telling a friend, uh, keep letting people know about the J Train podcast. Okay, very excited. I'm done with in my my whole intro. Actually, this is coming out after I'm in Europe. I got live shows, so people, um, I am coming. We're doing the You Up Live, which is an interactive, fun show. It's for the whole group chat. It is if you're not a You Up listener, you just like the J Train. Fine. It is a version of this show, too. We give live dating at makeovers. We bring people on stage. We play Red Flag Deal Breaker. We take audience questions. It's just a fun night. And we, at this point, we've already been in Chicago. We're coming to Philadelphia, Boston, New York, Washington, D.C., all major cities with a lot of you people in them. So, And then I'm coming back and doing stand-up, uh, Kansas City, Nashville, Lexington, Kentucky, Charlotte, North Carolina, JaredFree.com for tickets, JaredFree.com for tickets. Okay, that's enough about me. Today's guest very special guest, new to the J Train podcast, a friend of mine, it, the author. Is it a you say author, right? The author of the new cookbook, bake book, cookbook, cooking book, cooking book. I don't know how to say this. Is again, we're bringing in the cooking world, the food <laughs> world, onto the J Train podcast. It's called More Than Cake. Natasha Pickowitz, thank you for coming on. Thank you so, so, so much for having me. I'm a huge fan, but also your friend. Yes. So I feel like this is the perfect balance for me. It's funny because, so for the listeners at home, OKP, original key player, Allison Leiby, who's been on this show a million times, went to college with Natasha. That's they right. are longtime <laughs> close friends. Yeah. And so then I meet you through Allison. Mm-hmm. And we become friends. And you, I, every now and again, I hear from Allison, Natasha listens. And I'm like, I'm like, I don't assume anyone. I'm like, anyone who listens, I have no relation to, don't know. And it's very flattering that you listen to the show sometimes. It's, I mean, I don't just listen to the show sometimes. <laughs> I'm like a huge fucking fan. Like, I don't this even know. This is amazing. But like, that's the great thing, I think. Like, I'm sure you identify with this. When you have friends who are talented and like creative people putting stuff out in the world, mm you get that extra layer of enjoying the things that they create, but also knowing them personally. Like I feel that way about Allison's podcast. Absolutely. Totally agree. I was actually going to say something like that when I was thinking of like how to present you. You are like, you know, like what you're doing is so cool to me. It's cool to like see inside of your scene of the, the, the restaurant and, and food scene through you. Like I get like a little entrance, a little, little backdoor kind of view of it. Definitely. I also feel like there's so much cool crossover with people who are in comedy and stand up and like 
food industry. Like there's so many parallels with like the culture of it, the like community of the people behind it. Absolutely. The fanaticism, the passion, the like weirdness. It's a weirdness. And it's also like, the you know, it's not Hollywood. It's not a level stuff. Like, and like, it feels like there's like, when you talk to chefs and bakers and people in the food world, it feels like everything's out on the table. There's nothing that's like offended. Totally. You couldn't walk through a conversation and like kind of get along. It feels like everyone's like, you know, rubbing elbows. Everyone's a little too close for comfort. I mean, I feel like I'm taking pointers from you when I see you go on tour Mm. and I'm like, this is how he travels. Like, this is going to be me. I'm going to be like dogging it out like on the road. And so I love getting those behind the scenes peaks, like pulling back the curtain and being like, yeah, people have to hustle and like get from place to place. And that's going to be me soon. You're going to be doing that. So Natasha has a book out. Okay, it's out right now. We want everyone to go buy it. You Mm -hmm. go anywhere you get books, Amazon and it, right? Yep. So it's called More Than Cake. So your story, our first email today helps you dive into your story. But I, I want you to tell your story because it's amazing. Yeah. You w- went to Cornell with mm-hmm. Allison. Yeah, I know. I'm like, as long as we can include Allison in the narrative right. of my story. <laughs> I'm going to fit her in because that's how I come to the picture. Yeah. <laughs> you go to college with Allison for what? We both were in the English lit department and Mm. we met on the rowing team. So we were kind of like, I wouldn't say we were like jocks, but Mm. we were obsessed with sports and we were obsessed with rowing. And we both were like, yeah, we're going to go to grad school and get our PhDs in English lit. And then we both separately applied for grad school after we graduated and both separately were like rejected from every program (laughs) that we applied for. Yeah. So I feel like. You know, as with most careers and most creative careers, you kind of like approach it sideways, like right. from the side. Like I came into cooking, you know, having felt like a failure in every other aspect. And then I started baking and I was like, whoa, I I love this. Like I'm on my feet. I'm like working hard. Hold, sorry to interrupt. But so you go, you graduate, you don't get into grad school. Because I think this is like there's there's younger listeners are going, how to, you know, I'm yeah. sitting here. I don't know what my next step is. What happens next? I mean, I think that, you know, when you think about failure, I think obviously when you're further out of the problem, you can look back on it and be like, wow, that actually wasn't a failure. It like opened me up to doing something different and better. And that's Mm. where I am now. But I think in the moment it was devastating. And I was living in Canada. I was living there illegally. Mm. I'm American. And I needed a job that would pay me under the table. So it's like restaurant industry. There it is. (laughs) What better way to launder money than (laughs) through the restaurant industry? The four years that I lived in Montreal, I never had a bank account. I didn't have a credit card. I literally was paid in envelopes of cash that I kept under my mattress of my bed and so, that was my 20s so you're going you, you what what brings you into a restaurant what what gets you to like walk in the door obviously you're like i need money it's a good way to, i can work i can make totally dough but what brings you into like baking i mean it was just kind of like a word of mouth friend of a friend kind of thing and there was this like luncheonette diner place that needed a baker mm. and they were like have you worked in a restaurant before? And I just completely lied. And I was like, yeah, yeah, yeah. And I like had never, I mean, I like would cook for friends or have a barbecue, but I really didn't know anything about baking. Right. And I was, I'm a really firm believer of fake it till you make it. Yes. Because I think it's just, it's all about like your attitude, your confidence level. And if you're organized, that shit will come after. So how are you faking it? In, so they're like, we need a baker. You're like, I can do it. Yeah. And they're like, do they say we need you to bake these things? Did they have recipes already? Did they have things that were like, specific to this restaurant yeah they had a repertoire and 
you know, but it was kind of like Americana, sort of Betty Crocker style stuff. So mm. there were like lemon bars and there were brownies. And I knew I could do that. Simple stuff yeah. with a, like two quarts this, you know, two tablespoons that. Yeah. And and so, but I, I would assume this is like your a chance to like fuck up a little bit. Definitely. And I think also it says a lot of the people that I was working for at this place in Montreal called Depinerla Pickup that they were really into me experimenting and playing around with stuff. So do the lemon bars, but then you can do some Natasha stuff. Exactly. As long as the lemon bars are done, do the, your Natasha. Exactly. And it, it was kind of a dream come true because it let me kind of like play around with new ingredients. Like I was reading cookbooks. I was on YouTube. Like I was just trying to do as much as I could. Someone comes in, they go, I'll have a lemon bar. And then do you say, do you want to try the Natasha? I mean, absolutely. Oh, I was always constantly trying to like push stuff on people. And I, you know, and I think like that was when I was getting into like seasonal ingredients. And that's mm. so, that's not even a trend now. I think it's almost expected, but back I've then, had your stuff. It's unbelievable, but it's so inventive. Like it's yeah. so like, I'm like, what am I eating right now? What made you think of this flavor? It's flavors that I've never even heard of before. Yeah. So you're in this place in Montreal and you're like, I'm going to New York. Is it, it I'm, you, you start gaining your legs, so to speak? Definitely. Well, the restaurant that I was working, I mean, Canada's like, so much more civilized as far as like the work week is concerned in certain mm. respects, especially with the restaurant industry. And I was working at like a fine dining restaurant in Montreal that was closed for a few weeks every year. So I came to New York and I staged, which is kind of like a free little mini internship in a restaurant. How do you figure out how to stage like yeah. how, like 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 do you show up at the door of like a and these are finer places is what you're saying these are like the place you were at in montreal is yeah. like a place someone would go to like maybe on a would it be like a date night or like maybe above that definitely the place that i was working at the end of my time in montreal is called lawrence and it was definitely kind of like a fancy spot and like kind of then plated we're, desserts we're doing uh anniversary dinners De- definitely so you so then you have these few weeks off you come to new york and you go do you so you not must know people at this point i mean allison was actually living not to bring back to allison but she was living in new york at the time and i think she was actually in on the upper west side at the time but i was staging at this cluster of restaurants in brooklyn that still exist marlo and sons and diner and i've been to marlo and sons yeah on broadway it's sort of like south williamsburg kind Mm -hmm. of near the bridge but like it, I mean, New York blew me away in every respect. And I love Montreal, but it's definitely more of like a provincial place in terms of like it's smaller. Well, There's... to relate this to comedy, this is what people do in comedy. They start in another city. Yeah. Normally, I started in New York, which has pros and cons to it. But normally people start in Cincinnati. They go to their local club. They work on their five minutes and then they go, I really want to do this. I'm going to New York where the scene is, where you can make it. Exactly. And, and that's what you're I mean, saying. that's another perfect analogy because I was like, New York City is the best food city in this right. country. And it's young creatives. It's young people looking to make it and hustle. No one here is going, I got to hang out with my high school friends tonight. Totally. I think and in the food industry, it is like, it kind of appealed to the side of me that was like very competitive, mm. pretty ambitious. Like that's Comedy is the same way. Even, even though people don't think of it that way and there's a lot of non-athletic people who do comedy. The idea of I go up and I pass or fail. 
Totally. I either win or I bomb. And that's got to be for food, too, where you're like, I either, you know, make the thing that's great or it's just not going to make, God's not going to sell. I mean, like doing open mics like five in one night, you're right. constantly like trying things out, tweaking, adjusting, failing, like moving forward, remembering the last time you did it, changing it, moving forward. And like, that's how you get better. What was the big break uh, to you? Because I understand when you're, you know, you have a book. It's called More Than Cake. It is a cookbook for baked goods. Yeah. Savory and sweet. Savory and sweet. Savory oh, and I sweet. love a savory pastry. I've had your savory pastry. There's one we had two years ago that was the savory, <laughs> um, it was the savory donuts. Yeah. I've never had anything like that in my entire <laughs> life. And I'm like not, and I'm one of those people, I need the savories to look like savories. I need the sweets to look like sweets. This was a savory donut and I was like, Oh my God, like had a sit down moment. So it's sweets and savory. It's all baking though. What is the, and I'm sure you're like looking forward to this book coming out and you're like, this is when I make it. But is there a point where you're like, I was, I'm in the New York scene? Uh, yeah. I mean, I think it was, I mean, you ate with me at uh, Cafe Alto Paradiso like back in 2017. Right. Way back. And Alto Paradiso is still open, right? Yeah. And it's like known as like, a place definitely like known as like a foodies chef type of like oh you're seeing the real stuff here. yeah i mean that i was the executive pastry chef for that whole restaurant group so mm-hmm. i we also had a restaurant on the upper east side mm-hmm. at the met broyer at the time which no longer exists but that was called flora and yeah that w- those were kind of the first restaurants where i was like making a birthday cake for Hillary Clinton. Like Michelle Obama is coming in before she's going to Barclay, like to do her show book tour, like the celeb sightings, the VIPs, like it was another level. And I'm making these for this specific person. I got to, they want something. We got to show them what we got. Exactly. Like Hillary wants chocolate cake, but Bill was eating vegan at the time. So it's like, these are the prompts that you're getting. But this is like on food network. They're like, we need a vegan chocolate cake in an hour. Go. Oh my God. I, I, I can't even. It that's actually like takes me back to those more stressful moments of it. But yeah, I mean it was an incredible sort of like the access to resources, to like the best, you know, you're cooking with everyone is just so at the top of their game and Right. It's nobody there that's I'm an actor, but I do this on the side. Just front of house. Yeah. Right. But like in the back, <laughs> like these are all people. That are like, I want to own a restaurant someday. I want to write a book someday. I want to be a chef. So Unbelievable. Yeah, you're getting really good crew that so way. So now you have this book, More Than Cake. Yeah. Expl- and you're going to go on a book tour. So if you're listening right now, do they go to your website to find the dates and you're going to be popping into kitchens. I've been to Natasha's pop-ups. Yeah. They're cool. They're fun. And it's cool. You have fans. You have <laughs> like, there's people like there for the Natasha experience. I mean, I feel like... I mean, you do so much touring, maybe you don't feel this way, but I feel like I have my crew and my posse like in New York. I mm. know I have will have people that will always come out for events, but now I'm doing something I've never done before, which is doing my events in cities, some cities I've never been to. Where are you going? Well, I'm going to like never been to Seattle in my life. Uh, love it. Love I, Seattle. <laughs> like, yeah, yeah, yeah. Seattle, San Francisco, San Diego, Austin, LA. I'm going to Philly, DC, Montreal. I'm going to Ireland. Ama- I, oh, I, it, this will be out after I'm back from Ireland. Yeah. Uh, so you're going to find out that there's going to be people that are going to go, I'm here. This person I follow on Instagram or wherever, they're coming. And it is weird. You go, I can't believe I have people that I relate. And I have this whenever I go on the road. People that I relate to, that I would be friends with, that I understand me, that I understand them because they understand me. 
It is a very fulfilling feeling to go on the road and, and go to this place and they want to show you where to go. People will give you suggestions for restaurants and, and I get annoyed. Some people have known that I will bark back at the suggestions when they're not thought. But most, they are, it is a very nice thing. I can't wait. I mean, I hope I'm like buying five kinds of chicken fingers like you and eating them in a parking <laughs> lot and like gramming about it because like that is literally like my fantasy. Like I want to be in a hotel by myself yeah. somewhere new. Like I want to eat all the foods that like I've seen but haven't had yet like it's a cool way to see a place and yeah. you're gonna love it so more than cake who who needs to buy this cookbook like who out there like what what are they gonna like because i would understand that someone you know our age are you buying a cookbook like yeah. what what you know what was the thought of like how to get people involved in it mm-hmm. what, is, what is it about i mean the argument for buying the book is first of all you're supporting me of so course. like you know people buy this book i get to write more books like right. i get to do more <laughs> right. events so like please buy the book but also it's as a physical object it's so stunning like mm. the photography we shot the book at my parents house in california like yeah. it has that like magical sparkly cali light it looks good on the the counter so it's, to speak honestly You'll, it ups your kitchen I think I think it works. You want to put it on your coffee table for people to flip through when they come over. Amazing. Mm. But my copy, which I've had now for a month, is already like covered in like sugar stains and has like splatters of oil on it. I hope people like fuck the book up. You know, right. I want them to use it and engage with it. And I think like my whole thing is like I don't really think baking is that hard provided that the person is set up for success and that I'm explaining things well enough. I think anybody – you could make anything if it was explained well enough to so, you. So that's the thing. This is – you're communicating. This is a communicator exactly. to get you to make amazing things. Yeah. And I think like after working in restaurants, I'm hiring green people all the time who've never worked in restaurants before mm-hmm. in their life. And so I'm coming from it as like a chef, manager, teacher background. And I know that people who have never baked before have the – capacity to do anything well when you're hired as the executive baker of a restaurant group you're not in the kitchen you're going from kitchen to kitchen you're making sure people are doing what you would do you know at the front line exactly like you're only as strong as your weakest player right so give me some examples of what they can find in the book what are the recipes like give me i mean like we've got your you know single layer coffee cakes and your chocolate cakes but also layer cakes and also like strategies for decorating in like a very cool contemporary modern way yeah you do like the uh the leaf lacing (laughs) i love that no here's the thing here's what i will say about the book Here's a here's a perfect thing. All of us want to be better than we are. We want to be on our phone less. We want to be watching TV less. We want to do something. We want to have people over. This book will give you satisfaction because what it will do is you'll go in and you'll go. I'm going to open up to page, you know, you know, layered cake. Yep. I'm going to follow the directions. I'm going to see the picture. I'm going to make it. I'm going to see how I did. Yeah. Right? You got There's a beginning, middle, and end. How many things in life? That's got to be the best part about baking. I was just going to say, that was the thing that drew me to it in the, to begin with, which was this idea of making something from scratch with your hands. I call it in my book the, like, pride chip. And I think that any discipline where you're making stuff with your hands, you know, like you're knitting, you're, you're right. building things, you're gardening. I mean, I... 
that visceral satisfaction is kind of like unparalleled. And writing is very unsatisfying in that way. Right. Like when I was writing the book and I was typing this stuff out on my computer, I was like, I don't know if I'm done. This sucks. It doesn't feel like I've made any progress. Right. But like a cookie, you pull it out of the oven and you hand it to someone and they lose their mind. It is. I say this when we advertise for like the, 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 the meal kits. Yeah. A beginning, a middle, an end. There is something so like... I just finished the crossword puzzle. I do the crossword the Monday I do on my own. Yeah. Tuesday oh, through the Sunday. Times. The times. Mm-hmm. Tuesday through Sunday I use autocorrect. Okay. Mm-hmm. I'm an idiot. I'm okay with that. <laughs> Monday I do it on my own. I finish it and I go, it, it feels like something clicks. Totally. I would say with baking, there's such a thing as that. And then if you go, I fucked up. Do it again. Yeah. And honestly, like, you haven't... And I think, like, people's idea of what a fuck-up is is almost, like, never really a fuck-up, you know? It's like, you no, you still made this thing. Like, that's amazing. Well, it's like when you go on stage and then you go, oh, I messed that joke up. They wouldn't have known if you didn't say anything. Exactly. Like, it's most of the time it's in your head, you know? Natasha, I'm so excited you're here. I want everyone to go buy the book. It's called More Than Cake, because it's more than cake. There's more items than cake. That's what I'm (laughs) assuming. Um, And sweet and savory. This is a huge deal. Natasha Pickowitz, go follow on Instagram. Go, go, go. The book is out. It's called More Than Cake. She's going all around the country doing pop-ups. The pop-ups are so good. You do like ice cream. Like there's like always an ice cream yeah. element. Yep. Ah, I'm a huge, I'm getting hungry just thinking about it. Let's do some emails. Okay. Jtrainpodcast at gmail.com. Jtrainpodcast at gmail.com. I love this question because it relates to what we're talking about right now. Okay. Jared and Guess, want, uh, went to your show in Irvine. It was amazing. You have such a great stage presence. I actually went with my ex-boyfriend, LOL, and he loved it too. Well, thank you. I have a lifestyle question for you. I graduated college in December 2021. Weird time to graduate college, mm-hmm. if we think about it. 2020, You December, don't get that spring semester? No spring semester, plus pandemic, oh. plus, you know, like, can you imagine having a, a year of college, your junior year, the most, like, comfy year, not, like, over Zoom? Horrible. Horrible. Started working as a medical sales rep post-grad. I literally hated it so much. I recently got laid off. It felt like a weight had been lifted off of my shoulders. I know you've talked about selling life insurance before you got into comedy. I want to know what the tra- that transition was like for you, how you stayed motivated. And after working my nine to five as a medical sales rep, I am positive that nine to five is not the life for me. I want to get into more creative space, but it's hard with the pressure from friends and family who want me to just find another traditional corporate job. I feel so overwhelmed anxious and anxious about going after what I want, but the thought of... Uh, uh, being a sales rep again scares me more. Any advice is much appreciated. Thank you. Well, I think you're the perfect guest for this email. I mean, I, I like first of all, I feel like there's nothing wrong with having a corporate job, and also, like a lot of friends that I have who you know maybe have like an office or a nine to five job have like really robust, fulfilling lives like outside of their job. Right. So it's like. I feel like this person should explore what their creative interests and passions and curiosities are, like not in the context of must find a job that pays me for doing this, Mm -hmm. but just like take the pressure off of that and just explore those things on your own terms. It's a great point. The pressure money, the pressure of money is unavoidable. And it's something that your friends who are in the creative field never admit to. Oh my God. And the ones that don't go into it, that's all they talk about. Yeah. <laughs> so, and it's a, and it is a great point to bring up because they wrote a couple things. They wrote, um, you know, my friends just, my friends and family just want me to go into corporate. No, they want you to shut the fuck up. <laughs> they don't want to hear from you. They don't want your complaints. They don't want to hear. Listen, I think 
if you, I don't know what their creative thing is. They've kind of been vague about that. Whatever that is, I remember when I, when I went towards it, I was, you have to be open, but also doing something. So I remember when I would love to do comedy, I want to be funny for money. That's a pretty wide thing that's also narrow. Mm-hmm. So I, I hope this is helpful. But then acknowledging, do I have the money to be able to be funny for money? Do I have the ability, to the freedom to say no to things that would maybe pay me, but also wouldn't help me? Totally. You know, so like the pop-up that doesn't do you any good that they go, well, we don't want you to bake. We want you to grill. Do some barbecue, Natasha. You'd be like, well, that doesn't get me baking for money. Totally. You know, and, and the freedom to be able to say no to certain things, especially early on, because I see a lot of comics. There's some comics out on the street every night selling tickets to another show that they're not even on. And you go, Those people that- are comics? Some of them are, <laughs> right? <laughs> Is that time well spent? Uh-huh. Would they be better off spending the night doing open mics while doing nannying during the day? Totally. You know, and, and you know, th- th- there's a cost-benefit analysis that's going on here. And if you're not doing that, then you're not living in reality. Totally. I was very lucky. When I first started, I had savings. I'm ready to go. I'm out of the, I'm out of the gate. I was able to live in a comedian's way right away, but I was getting up early and going to the Starbucks and writing. I was sending emails to places to try and, hey, can I write for you to be funny? Hey, I want retweets. I want Instagram posts. You know, these were all things that I could do, but every day I, work, I get up and do those things, and I didn't bother my friends and family with it. That totally. was another thing because your friend, right? Your friends and family, you know right away when you're like, I'm going to be baking. You had some people, I remember when I was doing comedy, I had some people who would go, oh, cool. What, what does that fucking mean? <laughs> <laughs> right? They, they, they're like dicks right away. Yeah. And then I had some people that were like, oh, my God. That's so amazing. You'll know right away. Some people will never care to help you, never care to hear your story, never care. You, oh, they'll try your first cookie and they'll go, it sucked, and they'll never try another cookie again. And I'm saying that, came to my first show, I have friends, people I know, came to the first show, never to be seen again. That's okay. I didn't do this for them. Yeah. And that's the power part I think about social media. Yeah. Like, you can always walk it back. Social media kind of makes you feel like it's, you can't. Yeah, you're constantly under scrutiny. It's, fortunately, that was something was not something I experienced when I was right. 22 or 23. Like, thank Me God. Me neither. But, you know, and I think also, like, when people romanticize, like, the creative life or the artistic life, it's like they're not thinking about all the stuff you just talked about. Absolutely. Like, going to a crappy coffee shop and, like, hustling, not having health insurance, like, not knowing when your next paycheck is coming in. Like, those things are horrible and are not for everybody. But, like when you are spending the time that is available to you pursuing something that you love, you don't know like what will come from that. I mean, and I think like, you know, like when I moved to New York, I, it was because I had done a stage where I like worked for free for like two weeks. And I think, you know, there's also like a level of access or gatekeeping that happens when you want to explore an industry or a world that is like not yours Mm -hmm. where I'm like, well, I, I have a week to take off right now where I can just come in and, and kind of observe and participate and that gave right. me access to their team and their manager. And and in, in that sense, you're working at a restaurant that gave you three weeks off. You could have gone home and hung out with mom and, and dad. And everyone else did. But and you instead went and did a trip that maybe you wouldn't have done. Totally. You know, and I think there's sacrifice. And I think also what Natasha's saying, you know, 
there's a scene somewhere. I don't know what their thing is. Find the scene. Totally. Be a part of the scene. Give yourself the scene. Don't be above the scene. You're new. Go in. You know, go to the open mic. Go to every open mic. Go to all the things. I remember when I was talking to my parents, they were like, "What are you talking about?" I go, "I just want to be. I don't know. I got to do something." They were like, "I was like, if I'm writing greeting cards, that's what it is. I'll be happier then than I am now." And I remember there was a moment that I do the holiday tweets every holiday. I put out happy whatever. I'm literally writing greeting cards. Yeah. <laughs> you know, so I'm like I. So I, I don't know. I hope this is all helpful to this person. I would say to them, you know, again, work it out so you can do the thing every day and not have to do the thing every day. And I think that's a big part of it. So like having that other job that gets you there. Yeah. And also like this person is what, probably like 23 or something. Yeah. So, you know, I think about like what I was doing at 23 and where I am now. And it's like allowing yourself the grace to like remove some of this pressure off of just needing to have all the answers already. Yeah. you're not, And that's the problem with social media. I think that's like a big like, like I didn't. When I see people putting out clips of their stand-up and they're two years in, I'm like, thank fucking God. Oh, wow. I'm not doing that. You yeah. know, like, I and I was putting out stuff in ways that I knew I could be good at. Putting out stuff, like, in writing, where I'm like, okay, this is one piece a week I can put out there. And, like, hopefully people will connect with it. I'll put out this one video. I, I think, you know, again, you see so many people, uh, you're like, they've been putting on social media. And it's like, the I think the hardest part is going... I'm going in a different direction now. And you go, but I've put all this shit out there. Yeah. And, I've embar- and it's like, it's never embarrassing. People, totally. you have to like let yourself fail a little bit. This episode is sponsored by BetterHelp. All our lives, we've been told to give, 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 to give our time, our energy, our resources. There comes a point when we need to take care of ourselves. BetterHelp's online therapy can give you the tools to find more balance in your life so you can keep giving to others without leaving yourself behind. I love what BetterHelp's doing. I say this all the time. I mean it. That's why I say it. What a great introduction to therapy. What a great low stakes way to take your toe, put it into the therapy waters. I am one of those people who says, I got to go to the doctor. Then you don't have your own doctor and you go, ah, what am I going to do? Google doctor. This is a, a, this is a marketplace for whatever you're going through, whatever type of therapy you're looking for, better help is going to help you, and it's going to be lower cost because there's no office you're paying for. There's no waiting room. You're going to have less stress of walking into this place that you don't know. You can do it from your own home. BetterHelp is flexible and entirely online, so you can easily fit therapy into your schedule. Have your appointments wherever you feel the most comfortable, whether that's your office, your couch, or even your bed. To get started, just fill out a quick survey, get matched with your licensed therapist, and switch therapists at any time for free. That's huge. So if it's not the match, and who says it's going to be the match? You know, it might take a minute to find the right person, right therapist to work with. There you go. Find more balance with BetterHelp. Visit BetterHelp.com slash JTrain today to get 10, 10, 10% off your first month. That's BetterHelp, H-E-L-P dot com slash JTrain, BetterHelp.com slash JTrain. We all want to be great in bed. Joy Mode can help you out. They make natural science-backed sexual wellness products for men so you can biohack your way to the best sex ever. No heart problems, side effects, or unwanted four-hour erections here. Joy Mode contains clinically supported doses of 
arginine nitrate. I might be pronouncing these wrong, but they're giving me a bunch of things in it. L-citrulline, Panax ginseng, and vitamin C. Basically a sexy cocktail to get things going. Here's the thing. Those words mean nothing to me. They probably mean nothing to you. But here's the thing. There's a couple things about Joy Mode that I love. One, discreet. I I actually carry around Joy Mode. I do. Um, I had it in my bag. I was in the flight coming back from Europe yesterday. I opened my bag, and one of the single-use packets fell out. And it wasn't like a big package with a big old dick on it. No, it looked right. It just looked like my vitamins. It, it, it was, it was, so this is one thing. It's not a big showy gas station looking boner pill. These, these are discreet, classy, look right. Here's the other thing. And if you're out there thinking about this, even and this is more for the women, as much for the women as it is the men, however you identify. It puts you in the mood, mentally. Just the idea that you're taking this thing is just another little oomph on the sexual journey you're going on with your partner. It's cool to know you're doing something a little different. Rip open a packet and mix it with six to eight ounces of water. Yeah, I took one of the packets. It fell out. It fell out. Honestly, if I'm telling the story right, it fell out onto a person. And I go, and they were like, oh, here you go. And it was nothing. For best results, take Joy Mode anywhere from 45 minutes to four hours before sexual activity. Joy Mode was created by best-in-class scientists and PhD biochemists, so you're in great hands and ready for anything that comes up. Want to spice things up in the bedroom and boost your sexual performance and do it naturally without nasty prescription drugs? We have a special offer for the J-Train audience. Go to usejoymode.com slash J-Train or enter J-Train at checkout for 20, 20. 20% 20% off your first order. That's usejoymode.com slash JTrain for 20% off your first order. JTrain Podcast at gmail.com. JTrain Podcast at gmail.com. Here with Natasha Pickowitz. Go get the book, More Than Cake. Go right now. Fantastic. I love, love, love everything Natasha makes. I'm like, I, I do have a, I, every time I go with Allison, we go to your pop-ups, I, I eat something and I go, what is it? How'd she do it? Yeah. Mm-hmm. Am I blinded by love or just dumb? Okay. <laughs> See, these get harder and harder yeah, as we go it's along. Yeah, really self-effacing. Hey, Jared, all the feathers, thank you in advance for any insight you can provide on my current predicament. I've been with my boyfriend for a little over two and a half years now, and things are good. I'm happy in our relationship, but there are obviously things I wish were better. I'm currently living by the 80-20 rule. I've never heard of this rule, but I'm assuming... 80% are good, so I'll take the 20% that are bad. Okay. Right? Um, oh, sure. Sure. <laughs> we're both each other's first serious relationship, both in our mid-30s, so I think we're learning a lot together. I don't know if this is helpful, but neither of us want kids and are not in a hurry to get married. My problem is that my close friends and family don't care for him. Ever since him and I have been together, my family, mostly my mom and best friend, have been pretty vocal about how they don't think he's good enough for me and don't care for him in general. At first, I thought it was because my time was being taken away from them. Being single obviously provides more flexibility in my schedule. I still think that's that's the base of everything, but I know that he's also different than who they both pictured me with. He is not like anybody that I've ever dated before, and I think that's why it's working. With that said, he is a little socially awkward, and I have talked to my therapist about how he might be on the spectrum, which I don't have an issue with. I think my mom and my best friend have given into the idea that we are not going to break up anytime soon, but now a guy friend has come out saying that he doesn't like how my boyfriend treats me. 
a few weeks ago, he randomly asked me how things were going with my boyfriend and then brought up how he saw some things at the party that he didn't like. I asked him to provide a few examples and he wrote out three pretty specific examples that I didn't even remember because I was so it was so long ago and they seemed so ign- insignificant. That's pretty... That's concerning. That's concerning. Yeah. I, I think you and I are both having the same like, okay, mom and friend, when especially the way it was it was written here, when someone says he's not good enough for you, I think that doesn't help. Mm-mm. That's bullshit. Um, because then it's your good enough versus my good enough. Mm-hmm. But when they say, when she says she's they're vocal, they don't care for him in general, That that is more concerning than not good enough for you. Whenever I hear not good enough for you, I think of like, yes, queen. Like yeah, it's not, yeah, it, yeah. it's bullshit. Totally. But when I hear that they don't care for him, but then when you say on the spectrum, I understand where someone on the spectrum those I think the so, I don't I don't know how what the hardest part is, but it seems as though there are some people that just can are totally affected by people on the spectrum mm-hmm. in a weird way, and so I've seen that where they're just like I mean, love is blind. This past season, there's a guy named Zach who's on there who I was like I think he might be, and the way he affects people, hate and like is very different. So I I so that's where I kind of come back to this person being like oh maybe they are on the spectrum, but then when you have the guy friend. Who's like, here's three examples, right? Yeah, that's detailed. Like he took, he, there, he's tabulating things. He's writing them out. Like there's some, something he's. And most people want comfort in their life. And there's nothing more uncomfortable than telling someone their significant other isn't for them. Because now you have to take them in. You have to be mama bear and take care of them. If you make someone break up with their significant other, you are basically saying, I'll be there for you at any time you call, which is not what most people want to do. Yeah. This is not the first time that someone has brought up how my boyfriend sometimes talks to me. He can be blunt and even rude at times. Him and I had had conversations about this and both know that we have things that we need to work on. I know that I am not the easiest person to be in a relationship with and still feel like I'm learning about who I am as a romantic partner. I feel like um, my friends and family have put me on a pedestal, but they don't see everything. I'm just tired of having to defend my boyfriend to people or bring myself down by letting them know I'm not always preachy, peachy and perfect. I already have an extremely avoidant attachment style, so when these things come up, it just makes me question my own judgment and decision to be with him. Any guidance would be appreciated, where, whether I am with the wrong person or I just need to ignore everyone else's opinions. Well, I feel this like... This depthy email. <laughs> Natasha, we went from talk about your book and let's bake some shit to is my boyfriend <laughs> right for me? Everyone hates him. I know, God. I feel like the responsibility here... Right. To, but I think the fact that she said that she's an avoidant personality and she's with somebody who she thinks might be on the autism spectrum kind of feels like that makes sense. Mm. I also feel like a lot of people can get that diagnosis, I mean, it's expensive and there's a lot of work that goes into it, in their 30s or later in life Mm -hmm. around something like that. And if she has a strong relationship with this person, then there's a way that they can get strategies united together to sort of figure out how to communicate better or like relate to other people in their world that aren't each other or something. I just feel like... It, it is interesting. You're, you're bringing up a point whether I'm in the wrong... I, like, when they make it all or nothing like that. Yeah. Like, am I with the wrong person or just ignore everybody else's opinion? 
Exactly. Both might not be true. I feel like as soon as it's like me versus this person, when you're in a relationship, you're like not really working or in it together. Right. And so if this is a relationship she's committed to being in, then I feel like that's something that has to involve him that they're like working on together. Right. It does, she never says he went to the doctor to get diagnosed with autism. Yeah. She never says we go to therapy together to try and work through this. So. These are, if you're not doing that, then what are you doing? It's just you in talking your to your friends in your head. You're alone and you have your friends judging you. You feel judged by the friends. You have someone that you're trying to like, no, see, he's a good guy. No, look at it. He bought me flowers. It's like, I agree with you. There has to be a team aspect to this. Obviously, if have you ever been with someone where your family and friends were like, nah, I was going to say, yes. Like I've, I've dated some people who are like quite a bit older than mm -hmm. me. And I think how much older, like I was 21 and that person was like 36 or okay. 37. Um, but you know, and I think that that was like a lot of red flags for a lot of people. And it almost made me want to like double down on my relationship with that person. And mm -hmm. it, I think that sometimes when family or friends come at you with something like that, it can have the effect of isolating you from those people too. Mm -hmm. Or like some people withdraw even more into the relationship they're in and push those people away. I mean, she's literally saying, should I just ignore everybody else's opinion? It's like, no, Ex you shouldn't ignore it. But that is the first thought. Yeah. It's like, fuck those people. I'm going with the guy who loves me, hugs me, you know, sleeps next to me and I'll figure out the rest later yeah. and that's probably not the right answer no so it's almost like there has to be another way of sort of communicating with her mom and her friends that lets them know that like their strong opinions makes her feel like alienated from the person that she's with and committed to right i'm trying to work this out and now you're making me feel like i'm working this out alone it's my problem yeah where yeah. you you know and i think it's all in the way they're saying it when you say not good enough for you that is, I think that's a, just the wrong, you set that, that up. She even says, I'm being put on a pedestal. I got my problems too. Yeah, everyone's got their fucking problems. Totally. You know, like, so like, I think like, that's a big part of this where it's like, you're seeing it through that perspective and they don't even mean it that way. Yeah. Like, they know you have problems. They know you're not the perfect peach, like you said. I think if they could rephrase it, they'd go, we're seeing, like, when you have a guy, especially a man hey, I've seen these three things don't seem right to me. They're worried about you. Yeah. They're worried about your safety. Totally. So you have to take that seriously. And I think that can almost like increase your own feelings of like self-loathing, which I feel like comes through with the way she talks about herself in the letter right. too, where, you know, she thinks she's failing because she's not living up to this like idealized image her friends and family have of her. And it, you know, and I think that that is what is probably adding to all the noise in her head of not even being able to be like, do I want to be with this person or not? Well, and and in addition to that, she says mid thirties, first relationship. So she's going, um, late. You know, she's seeing it from the perspective of like the timeline of quote unquote normal people, which isn't normal; it's just what it is. She's going, well, I'm late to relationships. Maybe it won't happen again. I've got someone who I fit with. It's not perfect. It's 80-20. Yeah. That 80-20 thing, I don't like at no, all either. Yeah, I hated that actually. And I hate those rules of like what should be happening for a relationship to be like right because that's different right. for everybody. Trigger warning, and I'm sorry to interrupt, but trigger warning for anyone dealing with, you know, more, there are more serious issues at play here that we don't know because this is vague. This could go, this could go into abusive territory, but trigger warning 
if someone is abusing you 20, 20% of the time, but 80% of the time they're great, that's not the right relationship. Just because you're in the 80-20 rule doesn't mean that that's something you should be in. Totally. So that's like a big, like, that. that's why that rule falls on its face. Yeah. You know, there's there's a lot of people dating someone who's who gets drunk, and every time they get drunk, they're an asshole. But, you know, when we're sober, we're great. You go, no, that's an abusive relationship. There's something off here. There's something that needs to change. Mm-hmm. So... That's I think that rule is making her feel comfortable as like a reason. No, well, 80% of the time we're good. And it's like, I don't buy that. Totally. You know? Yeah, it feels like she's not, she can't like see clearly at like what's happening because there's so many external forces coming in at, at her. And this like, really, you know, all relationships are tough. And if you've never been in one before, you know, two years isn't that long. You kind of are still right. getting to know somebody. And I feel like if she's never been in a relationship before, well, that means her mom has never had a daughter who's been in a relationship before. Right. And like, so everything kind of feels like excruciatingly new, maybe. I think she needs, and she's getting it a little bit now, but we're not professionals. We are not, we're, <laughs> we're just two people talking out of our ass. But we're hearing an email where we would we have no reason to get in your, I understand when someone hears advice from their mom, they go, well, you, you're my mom and you've never dealt with a, me in a relationship. We're two people. We don't know you. Yeah. So <laughs> that's our power, so to speak. So <laughs> we're not professionals, but we also don't know you. We've just read your email. Mm-hmm. I would say this person needs to go to a third party professional with their boyfriend. Totally. They need a couple's counseling. Uh, you know, I'm not someone who's running towards couples counseling when I'm dating someone myself it's something that i would rebuff again like i would be like oh why don't we just break up like that would be my move um that's i don't know that's probably wrong too but i would say if you're really looking to see like a third party say hey you know that is unbiased they're almost like a judge i would assume right definitely and it can help you articulate what you think about something one way or the other especially if you're like turning over a medical diagnosis in your head like speculating on something about your partner that you don't even know is true or not i think that that like those jumps like there can also add to the anxiety you feel about something and if they won't do it with you then you're working on this alone and you should end this relationship Totally. That tells you everything. But this allows you to kind of go to, because you, you're not listening to your family. You're not listening to your friends. I don't know if you'll listen to us, but because I, I would say like, you know, I, I trust your friends and family. I'd be like, maybe you should break up. But I think a couple's therapist, you go, oh, okay. They're looking us both in the eye and they're going, this ain't working. Mm-hmm. Or it gives you, the, I mean, the function of therapy be giving you the space to reflect without the noise of other people and come to some kind of like conclusion or revelation that you can then share with your partner. Absolutely. Podcast at gmail.com. Podcast at gmail.com. See, we did a tough one. This was, we're helping the people. <laughs> <laughs> Everyone go follow Natasha. At Natasha Pickowitz. The book, Not Just Cake. So good. So wonderful. Going on tour, a cooking tour. That's got to be so cool. Yeah. I'm, I'm, I'm nervous. I'm nervous. I'm, I'm nervous about like the endurance aspect of it. That is, like, I, I'll tell you this, alcohol don't help. I know. <laughs> I mean, I feel that here in New York and I'm not on tour yet. Right. Where like if I have like three glasses of wine with dinner, I'm like tired all day the next day and it's I'm not getting brutal. anything done. I, 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 here's the hardest part about travel is, is I take the first flight out. So you wake up at different times every day, which is like the worst thing. There's no consistency. Totally. And it, I, listen, I, I didn't drink all weekend. I feel like 
a king. Right? I know. I was just gonna say the uh, the inverse is like when I nights I'm not drinking. The next day I have so much energy. It's right. like frightening. I'm it, like, it's like what am I doing to myself? <laughs> <yeah>. <laughs> like I'm actively <laughs> like disabling myself yeah. for the next day. <laughs> Dating advice for a college student. Mm. Okay, an Ivy Leaguer. <laughs> Here, barely. <laughs> Hello, Papa JT. That's why I like Cornell grads the most. <laughs> Cornell grads, they all they they are the least Ivy League of the Ivy League. They they take a little bit state school. <laughs> a little bit. They they take a lot of ownership. They do not own the Ivy League thing as much as like you meet someone that went to Penn. I went to Penn. You used to meet someone that went to Cornell. They're like, yeah, Cornell, it's fine. Get yeah. over it. Yeah, it's over. Exactly. Hello, Papa JT. Love the pod and everything you stand for. I'm reaching out as a current. I'm a current college student who needs help with dating. For context, I'm a 19-year-old female from the Midwest, currently attending a small school in Florida. I've tried the dating app scene, but guys on there just suck and only want to hook up. That might college. not just be college. <laughs> <laughs> you know what? They, the guys just want to hook up off the apps, too. So I'm sorry. <laughs> Lesson one. The guys are looking to hook up in college, yeah. after college. Even when after they're married, you know, there there's guys looking up at every stage of life. That yeah. is something I will tell and you. And women too. And women too. But these guys approaching you aren't there to like. This like you on an app, like you on the bar, like you at the the coffee shop, like you at the library. They all of them want to fuck. Um, I've tried the dating app scene, but guys on there just suck and only want to hook up. Uh, I would love if you have any suggestions for meeting new people and connecting with people who want a relationship. Anything helps, and I appreciate you. Thank you so much. What do you think? Wow. 19-year-old. I mean, did you date in college? I had a college girlfriend. A college girlfriend. I didn't, like, date. Yeah, I know. You know like, the, I, that was the first thing I was going to say. It was, like, people don't go on dates. Right. You hang out, and you hook up, and then you end up together or something. Yeah, you just it's someone you hang out with a lot more than yeah. the other people. Yeah. Yeah, I think they need to, like... He, I, what do you think? What I mean, you, I think it's like, well, I, I mean, I think she should be honest about like what she wants and what she thinks a date is. Like, is it for somebody to take her out and pay for everything and right. like give her What's this like conventional idea of a date? Or does she want to like spend time with somebody that she thinks is cool? And you know what I mean? I don't right. think there's like a whole spectrum of like what dating is. But when I was in college, um, I don't really feel like people were formally dating. I think if there's like an attraction or maybe you're friends with someone and it turns into something more and then it kind of grows from there. I totally agree. Yeah. The idea of like a guy taking you out. And I think, yeah, you have to separate what you've seen on TV versus the reality of the situation you're in. I think like, remember like watching Saved by the Bell growing yeah. up and you're like, is this what high school is going to be like? And then you got to high school and you're like, what happened to Saved by the Bell? You know, like... <laughs> yeah, just people, like, groping each other in, like, photo class. It's not, like, romantic. No. <laughs> and it's like, you know, like, I always talk about it with the uh, the punch bowl at the dance. Mm -hmm. I've seen a punch bowl in every movie at every dance. Someone spiking the punch bowl, taking the ladle, doing the punch bowl. In my life, I've never seen a punch bowl <laughs> in a public situation. <laughs> No, that that doesn't that's that's a trope of like cinema that doesn't it's not real. Right. And I think our whole lives with dating, like this person at nineteen is like, I'm on the apps. I want a date. They're going 
but all these guys do they want to fuck and you're like yeah it's more like that than the other thing you know there's no punch bowl on these apps the incredible insane amazing thing about college if you're lucky enough to get to go to college is that you're on your own and you're not at home and you're only surrounded by people who are your age totally agree it's like too much like if anything it's just like there's just like I mean, I, like some, I think about that all the time where I can, I'm kind of like nostalgic for the times where you're like surrounded by your friends at all times. You right. live with your friends, like you live with their boyfriends. Right. Like, and they all have, everyone has time. Yeah. Everyone has time. Everyone's like, what are we doing this weekend? No one's like, well, I have the baby shower and I have to go to my aunt's. No, no, no. Everyone has, and that's the advice is you need a group. And you like, need a college group. You need to hang out. You should be more worried about exactly. the fact that you're on dating apps. Yeah. Like, no, no, no. Get rid of the dating apps. Stop it. You're, you have, fur, everyone is on the same, <coughs> everyone's, I just got a furball. <coughs> everyone there is on the same page. So it's the easiest to talk to people you'll ever be. Like, we can talk to someone about New York. Mm-hmm. Like, when you got here, I can't believe the furball I have right now. <laughs> no, when you first got here, you were saying you're going to take a staycation in Kipps Bay. Turtle Turtle Bay. Yeah. Oh, yeah. It's a little further north than Kipps. Excuse me. Yeah. <laughs> Turtle Bay. I know Turtle Bay. When you said, I'm going to take a vacation in Turtle Bay, I went, yep. what? Yep. Really? And yep. you said? I said that my favorite hotel in New York is the uh, UN Hilton Millennium, which is like at you know 49th and... Why do you like the UN Hilton Millennium on 49? <laughs> well, I mean, first of all, like it was built at the same time that since this was a bit of a segue, but it was built the same time that the UN was. So it's like killer 60s architecture. Right. It's like sort of campy. It's like ridiculous. There's like, you know, green marble everywhere. But also I love this idea of like being somewhere that almost doesn't feel like the stereotypical New York because right. I'm like not going to run into people that I know, which sometimes is a relief. Sometimes mm-hmm. you just want to be like, you know, doing your own thing and not be bothered. And there's kind of this like, uh, it almost feels like you're in like the suburbs of some other city instead of like in New York. And I like that kind of tension. <laughs> here's, here's the example we're doing right now for this listener. And I hope they're listening. Because you said this is a segue, this is off topic. I think this is very much on topic. Yeah, no, I know what you're you saying. You and I are discussing the city mm-hmm. in a way that we are related. This is almost another language, but two New York City people, New York City people listening right now are going, I never heard about that. I never thought about that part of town. Turtle Bay, I, I used to go to you know, Irish pubs there on St. Patrick's weekend. You're opening up a brain part of a New York City person who knows what you're talking about, but kind of. It's relatability. Yeah. You are on a college campus. You and the people at this college campus will have this in common, the streets, Turtle Bay. You have you have your own Turtle Bay to talk about. You need to totally. dig in because when you're on a college campus, what's your major? Where do you live? What teacher do you have? Where do you, you know, wh- who do you hang out with? What fraternities do you like? What sororities do you like? These are all commonalities that you will never have again until you go to New York City and live there for 15 years. <laughs> and I mean, like, nothing is hotter to someone else than when you're doing something that you love and are into. Like, right. So I feel like the best thing for dating is just to do the things that you love and that bring you happiness. So like, you know, when I was in college, I was like going to a lot of shows. I was going Mm. to a lot of music concerts. I was like rowing. I Mm -hmm. meet other athletes. Like there's just nothing hotter than when you're meeting someone who's like already doing something that they love and that they want to be doing. Right. And then that's what draws people into you when you're like, you know, yeah. No, sorry to interrupt, but doing what you love also means 
doing that with people you love. So like at 19, that's the hardest part about college is you don't have a group yet. Yeah. And you're like looking to make this kind of fake group via the dating apps. You're like trying to force a group. You need a real group. You need to connect with the people at your college, connect with people on campus, do a campus club that you like doing, go fraternity, sorority. Those are good ways to like branch out, meet people. You need friends before. You need to feel what real relationships are like to be able to get to like, you know, people who want a relationship. Totally. Guy. And you're going to be around. The, and again, like like you said, like it just kind of college relationships always felt like they just kind of happened. Yeah. Somehow. Like I can't believe teenagers are on dating apps. Like right. it should be so like it's just dating apps were like really created by nerds to try and find people without because they had already run through their group. Totally. You know? yeah. So I I'm like excited for this person. Totally. But it's like you got to like go to Tuesday night you know, dollar shot night with your friends and have a fun night with them to know what it feels like to have the relationship that, or be around people that you totally. like. Totally. J Train Podcast at gmail.com. J Train Podcast at gmail.com. Natasha Pickwitz, go. Not just cake. That's the book. Fantastic cookbook. What a, you're buying an experience. You're buying the ability to make something with your hands. It's empowering. Yeah. Totally. Friendship ick. Uh oh. Feather, feather, Jared. Shelby, an esteemed guest. P.S. Bring back the soundboard, Shelby. We used to have a soundboard. Shelby just shook it off. No. Okay. I've been going through a strange situation over the last year with a really good friend. We're in our late 20s. She's gone through a lot. Cheated on her husband. Got divorced. Moved to the state of her affair partner. Let's call him Mike. Okay. So she cheats on her husband, gets a divorce, then moves to the state of her affair partner. Mm-hmm. I was there for her, listening to all the drama, letting her crash at my apartment anytime she needed during the separation. At first, I was super friendly with Mike as we were all in the same social circle before the affair. Okay. But it's been getting too hard to support her new relationship for a few reasons. After the affair started, but before the divorce, he'd spent uh, he'd slept with an old friend of hers and didn't tell either of them. Oh, so this is messy. <laughs> and they're in their 20s? Right. Like, What's what? going on? It sounds it like 80, like, 40 year old. Yeah. yeah, this is like, yeah, this is like. So advanced. <laughs> there's a lot going on. <laughs> He's been hot and cold with her, and she's jumped, overlapped the handful of relationships. And she's jumped, overlapped the handful of, rela- handful of relationships in her life. He's cold over who? The first girl he hooked up with, or the divorcee? I guess they're talking about their friend, the divorcee, uh, uh-huh. and he, who has slept with an old friend of hers and didn't tell either of them. He's been hot and cold with her, her old friend, uh-huh. and she's jumped, overlapped the handful of relationships in her life. So I guess she's like ignoring her own relationships to be with this new guy. I keep telling her that she should be single for a bit before getting into anything, and she doesn't agree. I've distanced myself as it was fr- frustrating to hear about her about, and she'd moved away away anyways. We still texted a lot, but definitely weren't as close as we when she was around. One drunk weekend, I had messaged her saying I really missed her, and we had some of our lo- our typical banter. I woke up and seeing those texts kind of felt like I drunk texted an ex with flirty messages. I'm not usually affectionate via text. A few days later, she was in town and asked to crash in my apartment. I wasn't feeling up for hosting, and her response was no problem. My other friend said she can host. Thanks for getting back to me quickly, though. I was getting anxious because she wasn't replying. Even though I didn't want to host, her message made me feel weird. Like I was a second choice friend. Ever since, I've had the ick and it's been a few months. Have you or a guest or your guest ever gone through a friendship ick? Did you 
get past it eventually? Should I accept the friendship's change and let this one go? What do you think? Have you ever gotten a friendship ick? Oh my God. I mean, I've never called it that. Um, right. But um, I think that like friendships are some of our most intimate and vulnerable and deepest relationships we can have. Mm-hmm. Like more, sometimes more than a romantic or a familial relationship. Right. And, those, and like any relationship, like with your family or, or boyfriend or girlfriend, like they take work and you have right. to like put in the work and you have to communicate and you have to say tough things and you have to like go through shit together right and and especially for this person where i let i i was there for them in their time of need yeah and then you come back to town and you're like oh sorry i had someone else that was gonna put me up but they didn't get back to me thanks anyways it feels like you've been used yeah like i would feel like oh what are you talking about you you don't need to save face with me exactly that text to me is so like fake Oh, there was someone else anyways, but don't you don't even have to tell me that. You would only tell that to someone you're trying to like let know that you're like doing better than they obviously feel that you have backed away from Exactly. Them. I was saying this per, this other woman sounds like she has her guard up a little bit. Right. And she's sort of trying to play it cool. And like that's that's like honestly, that's I mean, that takes me back to tough tough. I've gone through with friends where this idea of friends being aloof with you or like mm-hmm. playing it cool is like so hurtful when you have shared, when you've helped someone go through a divorce, when you, right. you know, supporting someone through a move or like something like that, then to get like a cool text, especially if you're like texting them late at night when you're drunk, like that, right. it sounds like almost romantic because of the intimacy and the vulnerability of putting yourself right. out Right, and there. you've let them know, like, I do miss what we used to have. Totally. You know, and I think for female friendship more than anything, like I don't like, I think female friendship, you guys give each other a lot. Mm-hmm. Like you, and and you mark it down. Like yeah. it is, there's a level of like, I've done this to, during the divorce for you and this and that and you slept over and I you were laying in my arms. Like tallying, yeah. Right. And, and but, but I do understand that because you give yeah. more than I've given any friend in my entire life. Like my friends, it's like, yeah, we talk on the phone, but like the idea of like, I don't know, it's just not as, it, it, I got invited to a baseball game last week. Uh, a friend of mine was like, do you want to come to the baseball game? Monday night, I got invited, so I got invited to the, the Yankee game Monday night. I went. I had a great time. Tuesday, I was like, I, I was invited to another Yankee game. What? <laughs> so, Okay, uh, and I was like, I'm hungover. I don't want to go. Tough life. I texted my friend, "Hey man, I can't make it tonight. Something came up." He goes, "No problem." I go, "If I have to pay, I'll pay." He goes, "No, Mm -hmm. it's done. Don't worry about it." Mm -hmm. I don't think that there's a whole group chat about how Jared hasn't been there for me. And did you see what he did with this? I do think in female relationships, there's like, and what is this? I yeah. came to your wedding party. Like a betrayal. Right. There was no betrayal. This, yeah. I do understand that I think they're taking a lot of stock and like, look at how much I've done for this person. Yeah. It's like a resentment there, I think. Right. And that's something that you have to air because if you don't talk about it with, if this person is meaningful to you and you guys aren't able to talk about it, then that's the thing that festers in your head. Right. And then everything they do subsequently, you're going to be like looking for also another like slight or a grievance that you can like add to the other ways you're already communicating. Totally. And when there's this tallying thing going on, I'm sure they're like, why would I even say anything? Because they're never going to get me back. And it's yeah. like, no, I think they'll feel better if like you just say like, hey, we're at even. 
but I have to let you know that I feel like I'm below you right now because of the way you kind of treated me over this text. And yeah. I told you I felt like I'm losing you. And then you, oh, don't worry. I got someone else. And it made me feel badly. Yeah. And I also think like texting is really hard for this kind of stuff too. Like mm. I, I went through this with like a pretty good friend, like kind of right at the beginning of the pandemic. Like mm. I think a lot of people were kind of retreating and not able to right. communicate as much. And so a lot of hiccups around relationships and I remember just texting and being like, hey, like, is everything okay? Like, are we good? Or like, you know, and just getting this like kind of fortress of, yeah, what's up? Like, uh, you know, uh. and I'm <laughs> right. like, uh, okay, this doesn't feel normal. Like, I feel like you're trying too hard to be like distant and like that's telling me something else. Like I'm reading between the right. lines here. So I think it's, and ultimately I feel like the thing about a friendship is like, you can have many of them at the same time. But also I think there's, I think with women, there's this idea of like, you know, you have to be for friends with someone your whole life. And if right. that relationship changes, then it's this like huge spectacle and meltdown. Like, right. and, but people grow out of friendships all the time. Like the people you had in high school, college, this job, you take a new job, you stop talking to the old work well, friends. I think what you're saying is so important because there's one thing you said where you're like, I gave vulnerability. Yeah. I let this person know. I don't know. Are you friendly with that person still that you know? But you seem a calm and at peace with it. Totally. And I think. I was like, I did my part. Like, I right. feel like I kind of tried. And, and you know, and, and it got to the point where I was like, okay, let's go for a walk. Right. Let's meet in person. Because I was like, this also, this, you know, texting is not, I'm not getting enough. And I don't mm. have enough clues to know what you're, how you're really doing. And we went on a walk and it felt like our friendship had changed. Like we had grown apart. It, but I think the piece that I had where I was like, that's okay. Right. And I wish I that try. person all the best. And there's nothing, you know, and I think like we should all want the best for everyone else. Well, you know? I think that would help this person where it's like if you go in being like, hey, I text. Uh, it felt bad that you I was like your secondary place to stay. I've, and then, and you, then say, you said it. And then you said it. <laughs> yeah, like that's... <laughs> right. You said that I was... It felt bad that you had a, a first place to stay when I was there for you for all those times. Yeah. To be honest, I was kind of avoiding you. Like, I would let them know because I gave my advice with Mike, the guy that you're kind of going around with. And it feels like you're, you feel judged by my advice. That's my feeling. That's how I feel. And then you just put it out there. Totally. And I think they'll feel better. I think though, and then, but, and then you can end it with, let you know, I'm always here for you. They might come back with, everything's fine. I don't know what you're talking about, which is bullshit. Totally. Or they open up it's to you. It's an invitation to deepen the relationship. Totally. And, and then, like, you taking the initiative is scary and it's hard. And you're in your 20s. You might not have that much experience doing that. Mm -hmm. But, like, that is literally what getting older is all about. Absolutely. And getting older is about losing these fucking people. Totally. Like, hey, okay, I did it. Yeah. Try jtrainpodcast.gmail.com. jtrainpodcast at gmail.com. Let's do one more, Shelby. We got time for one more? You got time for one more? Yeah. Everyone go buy Natasha's book, More Than Cake. Fantastic. You're going to love it. We want more Natasha Pickowitz books, so go buy the book. It's so good. Sweet and savory. Mm -hmm. What's a savory baking dish? I have this one where it's a Danish, but it tastes like miso soup. I can't even, like, there's seaweed in it, there's tofu. I, mean, I want it now. Yeah. <laughs> miso soup Danish. Yeah. It's fucking insane. Okay. Um, let's do this one. It's a shorter one, but I like this okay. one. It's very relatable. Too good for me. 
J-Train, what do you think when a guy says he doesn't deserve you? You're out of his league or you're too good for him. Is this just an excuse or a nice way to break things off? Yes. Or do they? Yeah. <laughs> Sorry. Yeah. <laughs> There's your answer. We're done. That's today's episode. Or do they be- really believe that and I should believe them too? I would rather be with someone who thinks we're both lucky to have each other and continue to make each other better. Well, you're living in a dream world. <laughs> I think it's like when you're trying to end something, I think there's always this idea of like trying to come out of it looking like a better, a good person right. or something. And so, so often that can be like, you know, being like, oh, it's, it's, you're amazing. It's not you. It's me or whatever. But it feels very superficial to hear something like that. It's a young, immature way. Yeah. The, the, the mature answer to an ending of a relationship is, we're not the match. Exactly. And, and and that's okay. But the problem is one person says we're not the match and the other person goes, but I think we're the match. Totally. And so they're like, well, how do I convince this person that we're not the match? So then they go, you're too good for me. Exactly. You could be matched with someone way better. You don't even realize how better of a match there is out there. And they're like, no, I think we're the match. And you go, no, 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 no. We're not the match. I'm garbage. I'm a loser. I'm disgusting. You don't even want to see me naked anymore. No, I'm done. That's what they're doing. They're trying to convince you of what they already know. And it, but it kind of hurts even more to hear that. I think because Absolutely. it's not honest. And and you're like, well, then, well, if I'm so good, then why don't you want to be with me? It's right. like the circular logic that just makes you feel like you have no closure. Right. And it's like, and it, and it's both sides are to blame. Someone's like, I need answers. And the guy's like, or the girl or whoever's ending it, they go, I don't have any fucking answers. Yeah. I, all I have is this gut feeling that we're not the match. I'm making a calculated risk that I will go out there and find a better match for me. I'm leaving good to leave better, to find better. I'm leaving good to find better. That's what they're calculating. They have no idea. They can't tell you why or when or where. There's no good reason. They even like, and there's a point where you go, you want to see me sleep with someone else? <laughs> you want to just like walk in on me so that you have a tangible reason? Like I don't want to be that person. Totally. But like if you need tangibility, like I can't give that to you. Yeah. And that they're trying to take a very like space dust thing and serve it to you on you're better than me. Yeah. Because sometimes it's like it's almost harder to end a relationship where things seemingly are okay. Absolutely. Rather than somebody wrong somebody else and it's very clear cut where it's like, well, you fuck someone else, so I'm out. But for, And for that reason, I'm out. Like, you know, if, if dating was like Shark Tank, it'd be a lot easier. Yeah. I mean... I- <laughs> But like ultimately to find like your match is kind of like an inward looking thing that is going to be different for everyone. And that's when those breakups kind of pop up at maybe take another person by surprise. Right. And I guess the premise is I need to work on myself first. And then when I'm perfect, I'll find someone. That's just not the way the world works. But they're trying to take something relatable. Because what happens in a good relationship, you go, oh, we both have our faults and they kind of work together and we try to make each other better. Yeah, Yeah, that's what this person wrote in this beautiful thing. You know, I think I would rather be with someone who thinks we're both lucky to have each other and continue to make each other better. Yeah. You and the Disney movies would love that. Right. This ain't your Disney movie. Move the fuck on. (laughs) They want to just end it. I don't want to be with you, but you're amazing. No. We're over. It's exactly. Not the match. Exactly. Yeah. J train podcast at gmail.com. J train podcast at gmail.com. Natasha, this is fantastic. You did it. So fun. Thank you so much for having me. A amazing story, an amazing chef, chef, baker, 
cookbook. I'm so excited for. I can't wait for you guys to buy the book. It's called More Than Cake. Natasha Beckwitz at Natasha Beckwitz on Instagram. Uh, go follow. Go follow. I'm Jared Fried. We're here every Monday. Back next week. Boom.